You're listening to K&J Recaps. Welcome back to K&J Recaps. We are here recapping Westworld Season 2, Episode 6, Phase Space. I am Jess. I am Kim. Uh, Kim, so last time, last week we were both uh, pretty big fans of what was kind of a story-driven episode that, you know, we talked about um, some of the contentiousness around that episode and how not everyone will like it. And I'm just going to add to that discussion this week that if you happen to say, you know, for a hobby, recap Westworld on a podcast, that also may be why you like a more straightforward, <laughs> story-driven episode because you and I have been texting and talking for like three and a half hours tonight before my brain's melting here. it's melted it's mush it is mush i can't at all and i'm trying to take in all the reddit and i'm trying to take in all the articles like okay so there is you know what i'm just gonna say at the onset that you guys should check out this week's harper's bazaar article uh on on some of the various theories that are going around we stumbled on that article literally about five minutes before we started recording and we were like i can't do it i just i cannot take <laughs> I in just... any more theory any more theories it, yeah it's written by mehara bonner if i'm pronouncing uh their name right but uh it does have the subtitle plus so many theories that my brain is melting like yes. bernard's and, and I, links to yeah. the theories links to the various reddits and yeah, it's like very good. it's a good one um i'm definitely going to be checking out harper's bazaar in their um yeah it's a great you know, analysis post show and it's very fun because you can vote oh yeah which is great yeah. um so we'll try to touch on some of that stuff but uh yeah read it from the source itself or you know um send us a feedback at kjrecaps.com slash feedback if you read a particular theory that you want us to touch on that we haven't yet but we just can't get to all of them so we're gonna do do our best to get to the ones that really stood out for us unless we quit our day jobs this is uh this is about as good as it's gonna get you guys i do feel you know even before i went back and rewatched and like looked at the theories my analogy for uh last night's episode is you know when you do like um, like a roller coaster and you're coming up over like a crest and there's just a moment where like gravity like leaves you where you're just right. like coming back down over the hill. Like I felt like that was what this episode is. Like it introduces right. so many new things. Um, and of course, spoiler alert, because I'm about to talk about some of them. If you've gotten this far and don't realize that we're going to discuss in ample detail what happened in season two, episode six, uh, please leave. Um but culminating in the ultimate... Um, but then come back. Come back after. That's right. Please come back <laughs> once you're done and then tell us what happened. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, um, yes. That's a great analogy. And then, like, starting next episode, it's going to be a 90-degree angle going yeah. down this... <laughs> I'm hoping that when we, you know, get to the finale, that we are like, okay, I see how the germ you know, of the seed was planted in episode six, because I just think there's so many things out there now. Like there are so many little tiny hints. And I think we're doing a decent job of seeing some of those hints, although not knowing what they yes. into. Exactly. You know what I mean? like, it's all yeah. questions and no answers, but just my God. Okay. You guys, I'm just going to take a quick pause to applaud Jess on your Ford uh, consciousness uploaded to the fucking matrix. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, ladies and gentlemen, a ghost in the machine. That's like, right. That's yes. Right. Which was all based on like, you know, hope uh, that we would get to see Anthony Hopkins again. And we're going to get to That's see right. Anthony Hopkins again, which is also, did you see Kim that Anthony Hopkins's last tweet, which was a month ago, which first of all, he is on Twitter and it's very cool, is him practicing the piano of the song he's playing when he returns Fuck off. in this oh my episode. God. It is it layers in- upon layers. It's not even the show. And the, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you got to know it's, it's amazing. Mean, is this now? I don't understand <laughs> what is happening right now. Right. I know. <laughs> also, he's in track pants and a white t-shirt and it's like, 
It's really adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that. oh, that's amazing. Okay. Um. Yes. So, you guys, I'm just going to like all the things that I say. I want you to just hearken back to that moment where I was like, here are some possible, <laughs> here are some possible theories about whose uh, control unit Bernard walked away with. Uh, William, and then lots of things about William. Arnold, and then lots of things about Arnold. And then Ford, where I'm like, oh, I'm just... Just not even considering it. It's a ridiculous theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this oh is I'm unqualified. Well, I'm one for 35. And Kim, you have a much better score. So that is. Well, uh, I do actually think that uh, that we're both kind of right, because I fully believe that um, my thought of the more likely scenario, which was Arnold was uh um, in the Bernard body that is washed up on the beach, like at the beginning of season one, I still think that that is also true. Yeah. It's not one or the other. It's all the things are happening. It's I agree. all of them. <laughs> I guarantee to you guys that the timelines are more fucked up than we think that they are, that there is definitely a host who's a human or a human who's a host that we don't think there is. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I yes. can guarantee you this much. I have no idea what those timelines are or who those people might be, but I know that that will be the case uh, as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so why don't I do this quick recap? Uh, I'm going to start this off by saying I'm going to adopt the Reddit term of Bernarnold when I refer to characters played by the actor Jeffrey Wright, because (laughs) at this point, I and Kim, you can jump in where you think we are like fully convinced it is either Bernard or Arnold, but like I just can't anymore. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to say Bernardold instead of Bernard or Arnold. I'm also going to note that we have had conversations about timeline and that is going to come into here. There are multiple references to this being seven days after the gala. That's made a few times in this episode, but yeah. we can certainly discuss that further. Um, and we have more of our storylines, certainly, than we've had kind of to date. We have Dolores and Arnold, Bernardold. Uh, this is the opener of the episode. It's um, the conversation from episode one, but this time it's Dolores is the questioner and Bernard is the host replica. And um, there is the it's the fidelity test, basically. Um, so I do think just quick side note that this is a firm Arnold simply because uh, Dolores references specifically that Arnold said the words of like, you know, um, does he have the right to end yeah, their he, lives or whatever what would say yeah so yeah exactly arnold so slash clone arnold exactly uh, yeah. yeah so i mean like clone to what arnold. capacity that he is uh arnold's con- arnold's consciousness i'm not entirely sure but i think yeah exactly but it definitely is an arnold component okay good call uh D- dolores and teddy the alterations have been made to teddy he is far more aggressive less caring uh ultimately they are taking the train to May- to the mesa along with angela and the others um, side note reddit yep. is now referring to teddy as grizzly because he is no longer a teddy bear <laughs> he is, he is a, teddy bear. a grizzly and like a passive aggressive grizzly, which I wanted to talk about <laughs> as well. Like, I know. Seriously. <laughs> guess you fixed that too, huh, Dolores? <laughs> exactly. Just amazing. Uh Stubbs and QA, or Ashley, as I think we should call him from now on. Yes. Um, is back at the Mesa after he was set free from Ghost Nation. Hale brings uh Abernathy to the Mesa, which is pretty awful as they uh literally nail him to his chair and a QA team arrives. This is like the first iteration of the QA team, not Strand who we meet uh, earlier slash later. Uh, Maven Co. reconvene after that samurai slaughtering that ended last episode. Uh, Musashi and Tanaka um, confront each other and Maeve decides not to intervene and to let them choose their fate. Ultimately the members of Shogun World decide to stay behind as our Westward World characters make their way to Maeve's homestead where she finds her daughter but also her daughter's new mother uh man in black and emily continued their reunion man in black believes at first at least she's a plant by ford 
more discussion to come there. Emily mm-hmm. says that she was wrong to blame him for her mom's death. Uh, she wants him to come home and not die in a blaze of glory. But, of course, when she wakes up, the camp is gone, including the man in black. And Bernard and Elsie arrive at the Mesa to discover QA's attempts to get the system functioning again. Um, that these attempts are being blocked by the cradle and that shouldn't be possible. So Bernard enters the cradle and one of the greatest finales in an episode finds Ford's consciousness. Uh, so Kim, just, uh, you know, solve this, uh, solve this episode for us. Give us a little, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, <laughs> just sum it I up. don't. 30 seconds or less. Uh, yeah. I I'm going to go with like. Uh, nothing i have nothing (laughs) okay okay. so talk to me about the cradle like so this is uh been referenced before we know ultimately gets destroyed that's right okay so we know now intro to it we didn't really know what the cradle was before uh when it was mentioned in passing but we know now that ultimately the purpose of the cradle is simply to to house the host backups and it's the ability to like um use use it to like test narratives in a virtual way and whatever so ultimately it's the matrix and they're all just kind of living in there (laughs) um Yeah. yeah so uh it is supposed to be essentially kind of a sandbox where it's not directly connected to the other um systems but of course now it is uh i think that it's pretty undeniable that ford's presence is the reason for that and um to your previous uh theory jess like he is actively using the the um the cradle the network to make the park the hosts you know behave the way he wants them to so i think the big question there it then is like what does that mean for the level of sentience that some mm-hmm. of the hosts have? Is he still controlling uh, the narratives? Like Dolores in particular um, is one, but it could be everybody. It could be Maeve. Like, what do you think? I think that, uh, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. So I still um, am on this train that Maeve and this, like, the you know, I feel like they're hitting us hard with this idea of having choice uh you know play out and the you know like we talked about last time the fork in the road here where now Dolores has actually altered Teddy and Maeve has again chosen not to change someone's behavior decisions etc is related to some sort of sentience but I think that I think you're totally right and I also would like to talk and maybe this is the right place to just bring this in this Dolores Ford connection um so the Dolores testing Arnold at the beginning. So we're getting this visual cue when we're in the cradle, which is this aspect ratio, correct? Yes. Yeah. Right. So we see that yeah. the aspect ratio turns, yeah, slightly different. So we saw in that in scenes. episode one as well. Yeah. So we saw that when Arnold and Dolores are having this uh, sort of uh, classic looking interrogation uh, where in episode one, uh, it wasn't entirely c- clear that it was Dolores who was Correct. questioning Arnold or whatever. But it was uh, something that many people picked up on that it did have a wider aspect ratio with sort of a wider, um, more cinematic uh, screen, right? And so we see that again in this episode, which is the same as- aspect ratio that is used when Bernard Entel- enters the cradle, which then begs the question, like is the Dolores and Arnold discussion also happening in the cradle right so if it possibly is which I think it could be so if that is where okay so we know that uh, William didn't have any luck getting Delos to actually become like an actual functioning sentient being but say that Ford is a lot better at this than William was which seems to be the general trend um, (laughs) is the cradle where he was kind of like testing this offline. And in order to do this fidelity test, um, Mm. he used, he hid as Dolores. He, he presented himself as Dolores because that is who Arnold, you know, they say uh, you wouldn't want to use someone like a friendly face is how William says it. And actually we discussed Kim because we're geniuses, how maybe William was not the right friendly face for Delos to actually like react to time and time again. You know, that like, is that possibly mm-hmm. where it comes from? So is Ford a 
presenting as Dolores in these scenes and B is he successful because he has chosen to present a face that like Arnold had a, a really strong emotional connection to even though she was a host so those are like my thoughts around that yeah I do agree that ultimately it's Ford who is testing Arnold not Dolores um right. I don't necessarily think that it is like Ford dressed up in Dolores you yeah. know body like he's, pretty, or, he's like no no sorry, yes yes but I like agree. ultimately yeah. like the same way he can control the hosts who are talking to ford like the exactly. same way he can be the little girl like yes yeah. i think that he can see what they see he can hear what they hear he can influence what they see you know uh but then i also think that the hosts within the cradle are also their own distinct characters like Again, you know, Ford permeates all of them, but that this is still sort of like the Dolores character within the um, within the cradle, potentially. I mean, I do have the question about whether Wyatt is in this cradle as well. If it houses all host characters, Wyatt and Dolores are different characters. So are right. there two Evan Rachel Woods in there, one who is Wyatt and one who's Dolores? I don't right. know. But in any case, I agree that um, that Ford is ultimately the one who's doing the testing here. And then um, I don't necessarily know whether it is the face that he's seeing, potentially. Um, but I also think maybe there's something to be said about doing it in a level of consciousness only without actually putting his consciousness into a body uh, before um, it has been tested. Yeah, great point. Because um, it's not rejecting it or whatever. Exactly. So, right. um, you know, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But then uh, there's the fact that Dolores doesn't age in the way that William... Right, where it's shocking when Aird Harris finally walks in. Exactly. So maybe it does have to do with who who is actually um, doing the test. And then, um, you know, I see from your notes that you had made particular point of the use of the word fidelity. And of course, fidelity is the same word that William used when he was testing Jim Delos, which is very significant in terms of allowing or uh, letting us know as viewers that like this is a very similar type of test that is taking place. But did you take more from the word fidelity than than that? I just find this use, I mean, I bumped on the use of the word when William used it, too, because it's a really interesting, um, you know, it is an interesting word. And to me, it has so many, uh, like, ulterior motives behind it or additional meanings behind it. And so I think Mm -hmm. of, like, faithfulness in a relationship or, like, uh, you know, trueness. Like, and I know that's kind of what it's getting at. but exactly it seems to have that other meaning as well and it was always interesting when William was using it because it's his father-in-law of course we know there's like there was a lack of faithfulness when William first visited the park and his like relationship with Dolores versus um, his own wife and something he struggled with forever so there's that and then there's also the question of like if these existed in two separate spheres which obviously they didn't like is this indicating that Ford was watching that entire time even to the point where he can use the same word like Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like are we supposed to like glean anything from that I don't know yeah I think that that's a fair point too um so the other thing that I wanted to throw out here I'm inclined to be in line with your thinking about this being sort of orchestrated by Ford within the cradle with you know Ford's consciousness kind of um being the puppet master and everything that's happening in here but um I did find it interesting that there were a few Redditors that in past discussions like even um you know, past past episodes, I should say, where they um, mentioned the way that Dolores slash Wyatt speaks. And um, I've noticed yes. that, too. It's like when yes. she is the rancher's daughter, when she is the Dolores character talking to her father and whatever, she has uh, much more of an accent. There's a the there's draw. a real difference. A draw. Yeah. Exactly. And then when she is sort of inhabiting the Wyatt character, her voice almost like drops an octave. She has, you know, sort of a deeper, more straightforward way of speaking that doesn't have the same drawl. And mm-hmm. I found that this Dolores, you know, tester had a very Wyatt-esque way of speaking. Um, and I'm not sure if that's simply because she was outside of the Dolores character narrative, if you will, when she was speaking about the um, 
you know, the test itself. It's not part of her rancher's daughter character. Maybe that's all there is to it and I shouldn't read more into it. But then there's also the theory that the cradle itself is the weapon that Dolores is looking for. And so is there the potential that this is, um, you know, a future timeline that we're looking at and that perhaps this is the Wyatt slash Dolores character who is interrogating uh, Arnold in an effort to recreate her own maker in some way. I think that that is a little bit more of a tinfoil hat theory, um, but one that I've kind of, I haven't seen that particular theory kind of laid out in the way I just described, but many little things that kind of like brought me to that. Um, people are talking about very a- various aspects of that. Um, certainly the cradle as being the weapon, that's not my original thought, but so what do you think about the cradle as as the weapon potentially? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I was thinking about it too, just as we were sitting down before um, we recorded, you know, it's like, yes, although like this, you know, storehouse DNA location weapon, you know, the thing that William showed Dolores um, that she, you know, it seemed like that was what she was really kind of focused on a couple of episodes ago and that everyone was kind of focused on. And, you know, there was this big exposition from William, like that still does feel like it could be in the weapon, you know? Um, So, and I, I think more now and we're going to get into like the men in black and Emily and whether one of them is a host. Uh, But if, if there is a, character that we are very sure is not a host is actually a host in this season if that makes sense yeah um i think that's showing the power of the weapon you know what i mean like the weapon is the ability that you can no longer even tell who's real and who's not uh which to me seems more powerful than than the cradle but maybe i'm not thinking through yeah yeah i completely agree i mean i think that the it's the it is like the passenger key and stuff that we were talking about before that I believe is more likely to be the weapon. Then ultimately, I think that uh, this again, I think is primarily from that Harper's Bazaar article, uh, which was referencing various Reddit threads and that sort of thing. But that I think that the theory of the cradle being um, the weapon is the ability to have various scenarios play out to mm-hmm. see, you know, like essentially it's like it is like a um a real world simulation where you can determine various possible futures and i don't know that sort of thing that yeah. all feels a little bit sort of outside of where my head would go i never would have come up with that particular scenario if i hadn't you know had it presented to me um, but then it is else. kind of funny so i had a couple of these okay i'm going to try and string these thoughts together very quickly but um there was a great of course i uh you know frequently bring up my love of jurassic park on this podcast in general and this is of course michael Crichton source material so one redditor did post the uh you know the great line from jeff goldblum's character about when the pirates of the caribbean breaks down the pirates don't eat the people yeah. uh, and then there's that great line too when the the first qa guy shows up and the tech guy is like i got these systems the elevators are back up and running and he's like yeah but have you stopped the killer robots exactly. <laughs> like, so if you think exactly. about it from like a weapon perspective like it's not crazy ford's ability to control all of these uh, you know, hosts, if that's what's happening, it is the most immediately deadly component of what is happening in this season. I, that so, is like, so true. Yeah, it's very true. So yeah, anyway, it's uh, but I do think at the heart of it, you know, clearly we have to return to what the glory, you know, whatever um, yeah. location a location is slash was. So maybe glory. I'm just thinking this like in this <laughs> This is probably stupid, but like maybe Glory is the cradle itself. Maybe they're all just going to like live in the Matrix and like shut out the outside world. Yeah, that's right. And we no longer that that would be exceptionally Matrixy. And I also thought of, okay, so now I'm like super referencing that bizarre Harper's Bizarre article too. But, you know, I can't help but get close to. So my favorite 
Nolan movie is Inception. And yes. of course, Inception has that really incredible ending, um, you know, where he's he's spinning. Spoiler alert. Yeah. If you haven't seen Inception <laughs> at this point, stop listening, but go watch it. Like 10 year old spoiler alert. Exactly. That he he leaves his uh, his token thing go and and you know I think what you take away is that he doesn't care anymore which world he's in he's he's in the world where he's happy and yes. uh, you know part of you has to kind of wonder is if you can't tell if you're a host or not you know again does, does it matter, matter? Like, comes is... up all the time yeah exactly yeah. literally verbatim Angela's yeah. line to William when he asks her if she's real and she says if you can't tell doesn't matter and, and William that... says it too right exactly yeah. William says it again it's been repeated oh, I have I seriously think we stumbled upon a great theory just now <laughs> <laughs> see I the valley beyond is out. the fucking matrix you guys um, <laughs> and then like they just um, destroy the cradle behind them so no one else can get in like they're just gonna live in there forever just themselves. can I just like uh, so just on like a an aside, but I was surprised at how accessible the cradle was. I in my mind had it in like that it was like some like really far away location, and then Bernard and Elsie are like, "We should go to the cradle," and then two seconds later, they're like, "Here's the cradle." I hate coming down here. It's like, oh, like, yeah, I was yeah, kind of thinking. <laughs> I think I in my mind I had converged the two, like the location that William was showing and the cradle were kind of like the same, but obviously they're not. It's at the Mesa and it's you know just in that just like giant downstairs building. yeah <laughs> exactly it's just, it's just a room I'm like, like we gotta go to the cradle uh we're at the cradle so yeah <laughs> um exactly. yeah that was so. really easy to get to which was convenient um <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay so just a couple of, of other things that I wanted to uh to bring up so the first is that um the discovering Delos website apparently has been updated this isn't really something that I have been um, frequenting myself but I do see updates on Reddit so it's like you can interact with it by typing in questions and whatever and prior to this week the um, it was essentially just like a computer uh, as far as you knew who was like responding to you but now it's been updated so it's actually Dr. Robert Ford who's responding to your questions like if you um, type them in and so there's a few interesting things that um, that came out of one Redditor who had um, put in a few questions um, so, so for instance, uh, he says, um, why are you here? And Robert Ford replies, we'll get there in due time. Right now I have some business to take care of with our dear Bernard. Um, it says, uh, what can you see? And, uh, he says, uh, everything is code here, friend, just as the paths of our hosts intertwine and mesh. So do Delos systems in the park. My reach is limited by the confines of our network, but I do what I can. I hear the control room may be experiencing a few technical difficulties. So like we know from this, uh, I guess then that like Ford, Ford can't just like uh, control anything at this point. He's obviously right. limited to the systems within the park itself. But then this one is really interesting when you, he just types in the word Dolores Robert Ford says, Dolores, comma, Wyatt, her story must play out. I do hope she finds what she's looking for, which I kind of wondered if that is telling about whether or not Dolores is following a narrative. Um, right. You know, um, I, you know, I don't know that there's anything else particularly um, important here, except that I don't have the one in front of me, but um there was a question that was like, how did you get here? And the answer I think was you like, you should know that by now um, in the pocket of, you know, I was in the hand of Bernard's pocket or like something like that, which made me think that uh, that was confirmation that it was Ford's consciousness that Bernard was bringing, which was pretty evident from this episode anyway, I think, but um, just a little added something. So that's a cool website to, to check out. It is very cool. I've been on it a couple times, and it's also like, yeah. I mean, kudos to HBO. Like, it's it's quite the expansive, you know, yes. immersive experience that they are creating there, and that's really cool that you can go and test that out. Um, so that's really neat. But yeah, yeah, I um, I do think that they're yeah the Dolores Wyatt Ford thing, you know, yeah. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't have a like concrete thought there. I just think that right. there's, there's more there to it, and or possibly that's not three individuals. I don't really know. But uh, I also read a great thing that was like just from um, uh, you know, technology perspective, it's easier to have like Arnold looks like he did thirty years ago, but Anthony Hopkins doesn't. Right. Um, yeah. So if you need to have young Anthony Hopkins, which they have done a couple of times, which would cost like a ton of money, um, you know, it's easier to use someone like Dolores or a host character uh, in that their place. Like, I do think it works for the storyline, but I also think it is a good reminder of like, we're only going to technically see Anthony Hopkins in modern time for the vast majority of this show, uh, with yes. the exception of kind of what they did last season a little bit. But again, you know, is just not a practical solution. So that's another like and that's what the other thing that can completely kill you on timelines here and maybe that's where we should move to um is we should know better than to trust any timelines <laughs> that's what the show presents to us I know. um so kim i don't know do you want to jump to um kind of what we can and can't tell about timelines Yes, I do. Uh, the <laughs> time explain. fuckery is real. <laughs> because, okay, you guys, what is happening with Bernard and Elsie? Okay, a couple of things. First, okay. <laughs> first, um, many people pointed out, I noticed it, I'm sure that you did too, Jess, that Elsie was shown in closed captioning as Hale. So, so, of course, the big theory is, is this actually Elsie? Um and it was just a mistake on the closed captioning or is this a spoiler that they potentially you know gave away by having Elsie's show as Hale we know that Bernard um has like cognitive issues that make facial recognition like unreliable Mm. for him so are we seeing Elsie and it's actually Hale in some of these um scenes so the second thing is is that in the scenes where Bernard and Elsie are entering the Mesa. So um, they're walking along the train tracks. The um, closed captioning calls Elsie Hale and Bernard has a scar on his head. And then they are entering the Mesa and they're walking through. Closed captioning says Hale and Bernard has a scar on his head. And then when we get to the cradle room, um, Closed captioning doesn't say anything. It doesn't say Elsie or Hale, but there's no scar on Bernard's head. Um, I feel confident in saying that. I looked really closely. I did see a couple of Redditors also say this, but it wasn't the big, like, dramatic, um, you know, theory-generating reveal that I thought it would be, so I could be mistaken, but I don't think that there's a scar there. It showed a pretty distinct close-up of Bernard's head in that scene. Um, of course, there's no scar once he enters the um, the cradle, but I, that's, you know, that's different because it's only his consciousness. But it's that one scene that makes me think, OK, like, when is this taking place? Is there still a level of memory of his interactions with Elsie or is he actively there with somebody else and thinks that it's Elsie? Um, but like almost everything in this episode really seemed to be on the same timeline, which was a week after the massacre uh at the gala but this one is the one that i feel that's unreliable what do you think i mean this is one of the ones that really hurts my head uh but i think that this you know that scar is there intentionally for this exact reason right and i think you're total i mean to point out that fact that of course we can't trust two things we can't trust bernard anyway as a host because we know that ford manipulated him in season one with regards to this of course um and then also (laughs) you know people saw this coming in that first you know couple of episodes as well because a we were warned about it um and like the issues that he might be having but also um the fact that anytime bernard is like alone with a character we should be questioning whether what because we have no corroboration right that's right Um, and of course bernard's been alone with elsie uh this entire time um so i don't know (laughs) i don't it's like my answer but i do think it's an like i mean if that is an error in the closed captioning that's kind of nuts because 
Like, I first will of all, say though that um, I do, I did say see someone on Reddit who was not in North America, and outside of North America, the closed captioning did say Elsie. Right. So, like, maybe it's so, yeah. So they either they didn't make the error. Um, well, either way, it's an error. But either <laughs> either they co- correctly reflected it as being Elsie, um, or like they just did not make the spoiler mistake it doesn't make yeah because it also it, i mean it would have to be intentional i just am thinking through logistically how it works for the closed captioning because it's like it is the character who is it's definitely like the character of elsie like the woman who plays that character is the person speaking in those scenes for sure yeah um so you know it's it's it is her it's just whether or not it actually is supposed to be her same as bernard arnold but even differently um so I don't know. I think you're totally right to be, um, you know, cottoning onto this. I think the timelines are not what we think they are and that there's probably some interspersing of people um, and or whatever. But we also know that Elsie's last name is Hughes. Is that just a mistake? So good for Westworld because, for just creating something that we can talk about for like, right because so it's it's relevant that her last name is Hughes because that's what it shows on the tablet right yeah exactly yeah it says like username Hughes or whatever which of course is potentially a strong indicator that is it is in fact Elsie um so the other thing that I wanted to mention is that um we didn't bring this up I don't think when we ta- when we talked about the scene with the Shogun in last episode about the fact that he has a similar sort of cognitive issue uh with as Bernard in that he's leaking cortical fluid and whatever yes. um and so ultimately um Sizemore last episode said that uh, Maeve couldn't control him, the Shogun, because of that, which then makes me believe that Bernard is like not at risk of being controlled by uh, Ford. Ford the way that the other hosts are. Right. And then I do think that there is the potential too that um, that like Maeve and the and Ghost Nation might not be being controlled by Ford either for for other reasons that i have no idea what they are but (laughs) but for bernard at least although there's lots of like there's lots of shit going on with bernard i don't necessarily think that he's actively being controlled by um ford at least in the scenes where he has the scar on his head okay i think i still stick with the idea that ghost nation as has some sort of like early sentience and so we know just to skip ahead that ghost nation um Akachita, I think, is uh, that character. Akichita, thank you, is that character's name, who says to Maeve um, when she's like running away, "We are meant for the same path." Yeah, uh, I do feel like it, that that also kind of aligns with this idea that's like some sort of independence or. Yes, I think that they're aligned in in that. I agree. That's why I think that like of all the hosts, I do think that that Maeve is uh, is not being controlled by Ford. And I think that you're right. Like this connection in some way to Ghost Nation makes me believe that they aren't either. And then it's interesting too. I mean, like we saw uh, Maeve speak Lakota in this episode. Correct. And yet she did not use any of her... We didn't see her attempting to use her powers to get them to stop, either non-verbally or verbally using Lakota. So I wonder if we're meant to believe that she was just too panicked to think of it in that moment. But in reality, I think, you know, in terms of logistically, I wonder if perhaps they were just not presenting with us us with that option because she may still not be able to control them and they don't want to play that card too soon. Yeah, exactly. Not knowing it yet. I think yeah. that's that maybe is what we're supposed to believe. And so what do you think about her fear of Ghost Nation? Like, Kim, you have a note here about do we ever actually see Ghost Nation kill Maeve? Like, we yeah. know that she feels afraid of them. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really have a full thought on that. I was just trying to reconcile what seems to be the case with Ghost Nation, where at least in their current iteration, um, where they they seem to have a level of sentience that they have like a grander purpose. They seem to be um, protecting uh, the humans, uh, even if 
you know, somewhat sort of like reluctantly yeah. or whatever. Um, but uh, that doesn't, I don't know. They're like the current ghost nation that we're seeing this season just does not sort of mesh with the, you know, very stereotypical storyline activities that we saw them doing in season one. And so if they did have this early sentience, then I mean, why were they continuing to play out that storyline? And then it made me think, did we ever actually fully see them playing out that storyline? I can't recall. Right. I know. Because the ghost nation who's coming to like the, the like native American who I think was a Kichita who was approaching Maeve through the door then becomes the man in black. And I don't know that we ever see that scene fully play out with a ghost nation, like warrior. So, maybe all of it was misrepresented right it's but like now that's... that i th- i think about it like i do recall seeing a ghost nation with like a with a knife to her scalp i believe in season one so i could be entirely wrong it's just it's just thoughts yeah i'd have to go back and look too so i think that that's really interesting and i think too like you know were they programmed to think it was uh ghost nation and it wasn't and like while she's recalling that it actually is the men in black is that her kind of part of her waking up, which of course happened throughout season one too, right? Where it's like suddenly she, um, like maybe she was programmed to think it was them because that was better for the storyline, right? Then she actually remembers it was specifically a guest. And right. I also did see someone else. This is not mine um, as well, although I think Kim that like you have certainly cottoned onto this before in past episodes as well is like the real redemption that the man in black has to find is not with not with Dolores but with Maeve um and so you know yeah as she tried to to figure out her family life which of course um in episode six has not wrapped up in a neat little package as we probably could have expected uh you know what will that kind of mean for that for that piece yeah, for sure. I mean, like, really, I have um, I have really been thinking about this redemption story with the man in black culminating in some kind of confrontation or interaction with Dolores and potentially Emily having a component of that. And I also have theories about Teddy. Um, but um, but more and more Reddit, uh, especially and, you know, I am getting on board with these theories is that they really seem to be of the opinion that the reckoning is going to happen between Maeve and the man in black as mentioned which really seems to make sense with this um you know when you take into account the the scene of the man in black who was the one who um like killed Maeve made her lose her daughter whatever um and this huge storyline uh about Maeve reconciling with her daughter and whatever I don't know it's just like maybe I was just like looking in the wrong direction um right but uh, like either way, I do feel like there is this reckoning that's going to happen. But yeah, I think maybe it's Maeve. The other thing that I was thinking of is because we see Ghost Nation attacking the man in black and um, and, he, and Lawrence and the others in this one, it made me think that the Ghost Nation was somehow involved potentially in like herding the man in black in the direction of the story. To of, go, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So can we switch then to this Man in Black and Emily piece? Yeah, for sure. I just like, I thought this was the most impactful uh, scene of this episode. And I really liked this episode, um, despite of its mind-blowingness. But this interaction between the Man in Black and Emily, especially this scene by the fire where they have a conversation, I watched like four times. Wow, Uh, yeah. And I still have no idea what happened. But okay, what I think... (laughs) There's clearly something that happens, you know, there is this, the, when they first interact, he he just speaks to her as if she's Ford, because he immediately just assumes she must be a host in another part of the game, and he's really, you know, upset about that. Yeah. Um, then they end up having this interaction a little while later by the fire, where they clearly go through, like, she states that she knows he doesn't drink in the real world, um, you know, they talk about her childhood coming to the Raj world that we saw. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, there's a misrepresentation of whether she did or did not like elephants. Um, Man in Black says she was afraid of them and she really balks at that. Uh, and then the Man in Black seems to have this like reaction to that. And then he seems to get quite emotional. They agree they're going to leave together the next day. And of course, he abandons her. So like I have seen 
all sides of this argued and I have gone back and forth all sides as to what this means. Like yes. what what do you think? I like, okay. Yeah. So I am I I really was not on board with the uh Emily slash Grace uh is a host um theory that came up very early in our introduction to Correct. Emily. Um you know, particularly with the bath scene and how it seemed to depict a suicide that was not the way that Juliet committed suicide or whatever, right? And I really did not think that that's the direction that they were going to go. Um, but I almost feel like this interaction makes me on, more on board with that. And I feel like the initial kind of calling out of the potential of it being a host, followed by the dismissal and like, um, you know, seeming acceptance by the man in black that this is in fact his real daughter is like a double misdirection yeah i really think that that um that was potentially to throw us off the scent that it is a host but the whole time it's a it is it's a host (laughs) and it's ford and he and the man in black was right all along but i mean i don't know if i could see them going in that direction it just like something's not right with this interaction like um something i don't yeah. yeah I don't buy Emily's motivations as being, you know, that she came here to reconcile with her father and bring him home. I just, that doesn't feel like it fits to me. Yeah, agreed. Her story, I also don't feel like fits. We didn't see very much of Emily, but she's clearly incredibly savvy and incredibly experienced in these parks. Like when we first met her, we were like, this girl like knows, you know what I mean? Like she gives off a man in black kind of air in terms of, knowledge of the park and then the story she gives to him is that she hasn't been in years um i just i don't buy that uh at all and of course like i know she was like i think effectively trolling her dad whether or not she is a host when she's talking about going to the like pleasure palaces but we know that that didn't happen or at least it didn't happen you know the way she's saying since she shot a real human to figure out if he was human um so like all of that happened and then you know i've gone back and forth on ed harris's reaction to that elephant thing and i see it both ways either that he is gutted that he misremembers a fact about his daughter and that what she says to him is real um and he's Mm -hmm. just so affected by that that he thinks it is his daughter and so he doesn't take her down the path further down the game but has to stay in the game um to figure it out where the door is or he figures out that's the question where he realizes that ford really is fucking with him and the emotions and reaction are like holy shit this is really intense i mean Um, like yeah like what what if this is essentially like the man in blacks like to go back to your inception uh comparison like maybe this is his token right like maybe he maybe he like dropped dropped like facts false facts um that ford could have picked up on i'm really going down a rabbit rabbit hill here no i i don't think that's great yeah what what if he what if he like deliberately made a point of saying my daughter um my like my daughter is afraid of the elephants or whatever. I'm like, I'm brain farting on like which way it would go, but you know what I'm saying is like, he drops a false fact. um, So he, he says that my daughter loves the elephants and then is testing her here by saying you were afraid of the elephants because that is truly the, the truth. But Ford gives back the false fact that she loved the elephants. And now he knows that it is in fact a host, you know, and maybe um, Emily does not know that she's a host and, um and and is incredibly convincing convincing to us the audience because she doesn't know yes now i mean when she wakes up and they're not there you know it's just a series of expletives and that could be you know um whatever although if he thinks he's getting away from ford clearly the whole park's controlled by ford and he knows that i also think like there is something about you know because you're right you dismiss i like the double blind you you dismiss him when he he starts talking to Ford um, right away and you're like, oh, you're crazy because, you know, we were, we've met Emily and whatever. But the man in black is seldom wrong. I mean, he may make decisions that you completely disagree with, but his track record is impressive right. uh, in terms of like understanding Ford. So 
that also like to me really stuck out as like if hit that's his first instinct that that's probably not 100 percent wrong and then i also i think i'm clouded by the fact that i want to see him have a redemptive story here and deciding to leave his daughter if that's what he truly (laughs) believes not a good look doesn't fit with my story yeah exactly yeah but like ultimately if the um if the the intention of the door storyline for the man in black is to have him come full circle and to have him have a redemptive story and like bring him back to um, sort of the white hat man that he was before the park. I think that this fits um, in terms of it being a bit of a trial by Ford. He was essentially offered an easy out by his daughter. All is forgiven. Just come home now. We can just pick up where we left off. And you don't, Mm -hmm. he, and it would allow him to leave the park without actually having to come to terms with sort of some of the the things that he's done and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that was maybe a bit of a test on Ford's end too for the man in black. Like, uh, and the man in black passed the test by continuing to take the harder route of going forward in this quest either that or he's legitimately the worst father who's ever lived which that could be it too yeah although i you know if 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 it is actually her i did like her piece where she's like i bought your nice guy act i think that's a really interesting indicator because you kind of just think he's become this curmudgeonly old man who's super jaded and maybe that's not you know he actually William successfully portrayed a very different well I guess we know he did because we saw a man you know like come up to him in season one and say like you know you saved my sister's life or whatever um so like he's clearly seen as like a massive philanthropist and stuff but even in within kind of the family um you know, dynamic that that was everything except for Juliet kind of felt that way. So, yeah. Uh, well, that one I obviously is going to uh, continue so we can see. But I do think like, again, with the weapon idea, like if he if he's made a host of his own daughter and turned the like the weapon against him, I just want like that could be, you know, and if that is like what William built when he showed it to Dolores and now here it is confronting like him in the face maybe that's the reaction he's having which is like furthering him on his cause anyway yes i don't know uh okay so final kind of discussion main point uh, before a couple of notes is to our buddy teddy aka grizzly yeah uh, so major personality uh alterations um uh, so the most interesting, again, not my theory, but I thought I saw about this to me is that, you know, Teddy's qualities of like forgiveness and peacefulness and whatever are what kept him on Dolores' side, even when she was acting so uh, Wyatt-esque. Yes. Um, and now that she's removed those, will Teddy be the death of Dolores? Uh, I think that that's a really interesting idea that like by removing those pieces of him that she thought were in her way, those were the parts that were saving him from just like reacting against her. Uh, But what do you think about this? And also the fact that he clearly, as we mentioned, knows that Dolores altered his personality, which is very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I suppose, though, that like Maeve uh, didn't forget, I guess, like who who she was before she had her core heuristic her heuristics um altered right but yes. um i i guess i was kind of expecting teddy to not be aware of that um but it made for some interesting dynamics between uh <laughs> teddy and dolores um yeah so like i think that i think that he is not so subtly resentful of Dolores for the changes that she has made in him. And he seems to have, as you mentioned, far less loyalty to her now than he did as, you know, the lovable Teddy. Because um, I think that um, underneath all of the changes about whether he or not he is like, um, I don't know, more prone to violence and whatever. Like, I think that under the underlying love that he had for Dolores is gone. And uh, he followed her because he was in love with her and, and because he was like a pure and decent person. Right. But now 
I mean, he's not going to ask her permission to do anything. We see several times that he he doesn't. And I think that it was very telling, too, that we see him bend down to a can yeah. that is the can. Of condensed milk that we've seen that's a right. billion times. We've yeah. seen him pick it up over and over again. Um, you know, like, don't mind me just trying to be chivalrous. And instead of picking up the can, he picks up a bullet directly behind it. And I think that that's kind of telling about his uh, feelings towards Dolores, right? That, uh, you know, he is no longer looking to be the knight in shining armor for Dolores. He just doesn't give a shit about that anymore. And so now he has these new desires, like the desire to leave that he never thought that he would had, but he, you know, is aware and somewhat resentful, I think, of the fact that he now wants to do things he didn't before because of the changes that Dolores made in him. And he seems to have like enhanced abilities now. Like we hear he's hearing things at an enhanced level. He's like a stuff. super like, Terminator. Yeah. I know. Like a- <laughs> Fucking super soldier. So Dolores exactly. seems concerned about uh, Teddy Uh-oh. usurping her. And I think that that is a very, you know, possible And Angela theory. seems super into it. I'm just going to say. She is <laughs> into it. Yep. Um, so. I do have a different theory about Teddy and his, and his fate though. Ending. Yep. Yeah. So ultimately I, I kind of went in the extreme opposite direction, uh, which was that I think that, uh, that Teddy's, uh, core person, like who he is at his core will, um, will break through. through. Well, I, I do think so. So the things that made me think that were, um, like, I mean, when he speaks about that the Teddy before was built to, built weak and born to lose. Um, and that kind of harkens back to season one, episode one, where um, the man in black shoots Teddy when he's trying to protect Dolores and his family and says to him in that scene, you were you were essentially made to lose. Someone has to be a loser. And that's what he was built for. Um but then it kind of like makes me think about like, um, you know, what what is winning and losing to a man like Teddy? If he if he like um, if he is able to choose his own path, i.e. Mm-hmm. Maeve saying uh, if he has the ability to, to choose his fate, even if his fate means death, you know, is that really a loss? Like I, I could I could see Teddy maybe sacrificing himself for Dolores despite it all and whatever, like breaking through this programming and actually showing his true colors, even if that means that, you know, he's putting his life on the line or whatever. Like I definitely see some kind of heroic end for Teddy. I like that a lot better, you know, that uh, James Marsden would get to kind of come back because Teddy has just been such a stalwart of you know that character and really kind of makes you believe um him and it's just i don't know i i i like that the reaction here is that dolores is like visibly oh shit after like his first i know she's like what the fuck have i done (laughs) also you guys i'm not gonna go into it but there is a whole other theory that's going around just like google it but apparently it is a prominent (laughs) theory that teddy is in bernard's body and that uh the two weeks later timeline is not bernard is not arnold it is in fact teddy in in the the Jeffrey Wright body. <laughs> like, Which, like, I quit, you guys. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I see it when they, like, it could be, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's not plausible. It's just like, oh, man, there's no hope. <laughs> I know. So it's like, I mean, I don't even know if I'm getting the theory right that, like, Teddy is inside Bernard's body. All of the host bodies inside the Mesa is like a Trojan horse. And then they're going to wake up them all and they're going to take them down from the inside out which like i mean that's brilliant i just i can't even yeah yeah, the teddy inside bernard thing is really kind of um gonna take a little more thought on my end before i can really come to terms with it i really do think so let's sort of last uh last thoughts here um, in terms of like the stuff that was presented in this episode so let's talk about Bernard Um, so 
uh, going all the way back to the very first yes. scene of this episode, we do now know that Dolores probably through Ford is testing Arnold host replica probably in the cradle um, for fidelity. So what does that mean about um, Arnold and Bernard is the, uh, the present timeline Bernard that washes up on the beach. In fact, Arnold, like we suggested in a past episode that it could be. And then if that's the case, then him saying at the flooded Valley, I killed them all. Is that Arnold speaking of the massacre of all of the hosts 35 years ago? Or is he referencing the the cradle in some way, the destruction of the cradle and the dest- right. destruction of the, um, uh, you know, there's one third of the host backups that uh, are neither in, like all the stuff in the cradle is gone, but also one third of the host backups are not in any of the control units. So like, is he referencing that in some way when he's speaking of killing them? Like, what are your thoughts on B- Bernardold? Yes. Am I saying that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I those are all excellent questions. All I can think of is that, you know, like Arnold washes up on the shore at the end. The fidelity test is like the fidelity test we've seen is showing like he wasn't quite there, but he was close. I think the idea is that ultimately Ford is successful at getting to what um you know, William was not able to with Delos, so Arnold is able to come back and that all of this water has something to do with it. You know, like that there's water where there shouldn't be. When they finally drain that massive body of water, there's going to be something, you know, interesting at the end of it. I do think it's about taking consciousness and the ability to have these clones or whatever out of the park. Um, and by the time that that's done, you know, it's all too late to kind of rein it back in. Um but I don't really know how those things play together. I don't think Anthony Hopkins is a, you know, lock for the entire series of Westworld. So I do think that this is a great like opportunity to have him back, but that this probably is the end of him once he's out of there, but that he's going to make a real like splash before he goes. Uh, yes. And that this is all like planned out and it has to do with all of those things. And I think ultimately I it's about getting it out of the park, but I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, um, you know, in a related note that we are not going to see like a physical Ford host um, that, you know, his consciousness inside the cradle is, is what we're getting in terms of Ford. But of, of course that, is going to include some Anthony Hopkins appearing um, in the cradle, et cetera. I just don't think that Correct. we're going to have like a live host walking Out- around for in the future. Right. Although it will manifest itself looking like, yes, the character, exactly. the person is has returned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just like once the cradle is destroyed, I think that, that is the end of, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think this is all like, again, I just, I still buy into completely that at least I still think, I would be surprised if this season doesn't still end with something that is still fully Ford driven. You know what yes, I mean? That agreed. these are still all of his intentions still playing out from season one. And, you know, you think that the end of season one is what he had intended and is to go out by being shot and take down the park. And it's like, it's going to have been all of this stuff that comes out in season two that was really yes. like what he was trying to do, which is so cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, Okay, so the last point of interest that I wanted to bring up was just when Bernard does enter the cradle, the first um, clue that he had to Ford's presence was a greyhound dog that he followed into the Mariposa. And so it was um, it was just it was a nice callback to a story that Ford told in season one about um, a greyhound dog that he had as a child. And this greyhound was a racing dog and all its life it spent chasing a piece of felt that was meant to simulate a a bunny. Um, And then uh, even though like they were warned not to, Ford and his brother let the dog off leash and it was a beautiful sight to see him running towards this cat until he actually caught the cat and then ripped it apart. And then... The story ends with Ford saying that this poor dog who had spent his entire life chasing this thing had finally caught it and now didn't know what to do with itself. 
And I thought that that was like an interesting story, not only because it was a great callback just as terms of a visual clue to having Ford there, but then I also thought that it was very interesting in terms of the questing that's going on with Maeve and her daughter who had spent all season trying to get her daughter and then finally arriving at that conclusion only to kind of be reminded um, by a relatively you know, obvious conflict, which is that there is a new host mother and the host child does not recognize Maeve as being her mother. That's something that like, even as an audience member, we probably should have like been more aware of, but you kind of dismiss it in the interest of the quest. But then you actually get there and you're like, what now? And then, you know, is there implications there with Dolores in this quest that she has for domination? And like, if she actually gets what she wants, like, what then? What's next? Like, uh, and uh, and the man in black, who I do actually see there being kind of more of a, you know, life after, you know, like I do see an actual sort of like full circle end to his quest. But I just thought that it was like an interesting sort of metaphor for the um, state of some of our main characters. I think that's a super great point. And I think, you know, it was even referenced, um, you know, the man in black totally gets this which is why he knew um you know with the confederados like he was like here's where the weapons are buried because i know that the real gem for what you're looking for is that your storyline says that you're looking for glory and you have no idea where that is because like it's the same thing it's the cat or the bunny that you're chasing um and i can tell you you know where it is Uh, and so the whole thing keeps kind of like that keeps coming up so i think that that's a really you know, great point. And, um, you know, every, I think nobody host wise is necessarily thinking, you know, big enough about what this could become. I think that is what Ford is going, basically going to be involved in finally doing, which is like unleashing this into the broader world outside of, you know, the limitations of the parks. Cause everyone still feels like they're still very much like involved in, the world of the parks. Um, yes. And, you know, even when Charlotte Hale says to Stubbs, like, you're, you are security for an amusement park. Like, you right. know, uh, that's not a, that big of a deal compared to like what we're doing here. It's like that, that bigger, deeper meaning that everybody is trying to get at. And Ford is just kind of like sitting in a corner, like pointing at what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, great point, Kim. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, we have barely scratched the surface, I'm sure. Yeah. There were so no, many different theories the that we didn't even get to, but like you guys, that is all we've got. <laughs> that is all my <laughs> brain all could hold. Um yeah. but I loved the episode. I I mean like I just I can't wait for all of it. I just want to know right, right. now. But I the know. getting there is uh very enjoyable. So we will have much more to talk about next week, I have no doubt, Jess. Absolutely. I did. I did. I don't usually, but I did watch the preview and it looks excellent. So I am very excited for it. Yeah. So until then, yes, leave us your feedback at kvrecaps.com slash feedback. And Kim, we will be back next week to talk about episode seven. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.